This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hi, everyone. I'm Bev Jones, and this is Jazzed About Work, where we talk about everything that can have an impact on your career. Today on Jazzed About Work, we're talking about the nitty-gritty of managing a career shift. Instead of visiting with a guest, my friend and colleague Tom Hodson will be interviewing me. We're going to talk about the details of how you can manage a career transition. We'll explore a process I've used a lot, starting with ways to clarify what you might want to do next. Along the way, we will identify specific steps that will get you moving in the direction of your new vision. We've been thinking, Beverly Jones has so much expertise and so much information about careers, but while she's acting as host and interviewing others, she doesn't always get a chance to to get it out. So we're going to turn the tables on Beverly Jones today, and we're going to be asking her some advice about careers and career planning. Bev is the author of Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO. She also blogs uh, at several places, and she is the regular host of Jazzed About Work, the podcast. Bev, let's start. You have throughout your career, uh, both as a rising professional and a veteran professional, but also when you switched over into career counseling, executive coaching, you've always had a real strong foundation in planning, and and everything seems to have a plan for you. It, how important is that? And that, that sounds just flat-out overwhelming to a lot of people. Well, different people have different orientations toward planning, and I, I think to some degree I was born as a planner, but, you know, the the essence of what of my approach to things is you don't have to have a specific plan. You have to have a direction, and, and, and you can take a lot of little steps, and somehow magically they'll get you there. For me, it was um, an opportunity when I was about 13 where somehow this lesson just got ingrained in my mind. I was... Um, at that time, I was doing some modeling for the local department store. And I was, of course, worried about weight, as every aspiring <laughs> young model of 13 would be. My parents were New Zealanders. They had a strong Brit culture. We drank tea every day after school and on all occasions. And so I was sitting there one day with my cup of tea. And as little kids, we had tea with a lot of milk and sugar. And I put in about three teaspoons of sugar. I was sitting there at the kitchen table after school, and I picked up a spoonful of sugar, and I thought, you know, if I want to keep modeling, I shouldn't eat this sugar, but I can't give up sugar, and I certainly can't give up tea. I wonder if I were to just take one little grain of sugar and remove it from this spoon, I bet I wouldn't see the difference tomorrow. And and maybe if I did that for a whole year, I could give up sugar without any pain. So 
By the time I was 14, I had been taking a little bit of sugar <laughs> off my spoon every day. And, and, and what I discovered in a way that was, well, granular, it was, it was just so vivid in my mind that if you do just a little teeny bit every day no matter what, it, it gets you somewhere. And, and along the way, I've taken this really basic um, approach, which is the part of so many different change processes, and, and, and learned some of the science behind it, but also learned uh, some of the ways that you can structure a program of uh, little change every day uh, that can give you the image of a great planner, even if you're not really planning all that much. Before we go back and, and delve into the process of, of planning, uh, the, your story is 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 quite good and quite apt to to our our topic. But let's fast forward, and then we'll come back. But let's fast forward to the end because people out there listening are going to ask, "Does this really work?" And the answer is amazingly well, because I was using this kind of approach. I got involved very early on in the efforts to change the situation of women at universities. And, and so when I was still in my 20s, I found myself as assistant to the president of Ohio University, and I was charged with implementing a lot of the changes brought by Title IX and other efforts of the time. And so I was in a position where I was trying to help women members of the faculty who wanted to finally get to move up or, or graduate students who wanted to go to fields like engineering and business where there'd never been any women. I, I was trying to, to help facilitate change for a lot of people. And I was 25 years old. I knew nothing. <laughs> and, and the only thing I knew was sugar grains. And so I started informally uh, working with uh, folks who are much older and wiser and, and more experienced than I was at the time to help them make their change. Later on, I've applied it to myself again and again. I've changed more careers more than most <laughs> of us. I went off to law school. I created a career in law. I had to learn how to uh, do all kinds of different things. You I went, even had a couple of different careers I, in law. I, I did. I, I became a corporate executive and, and so forth. But but all along the way, I've always been interested in, in how can you help people move up into leadership? How can you help people do a transition? And so my side gig as sort of a volunteer um, throughout all of my various careers was working with younger people typically to help them manage a career transition. So I think before I became a coach, I probably was coaching maybe dozens of people at, at just about any time of my life. And, and, and basically what we do is set up sort of a methodical way of the, for them to understand where they wanted to go and then commit to some kind of cadence, some kind of methodical uh, process of taking just a little step at a time to take them in the direction they wanted to go. So I, I've had a lot of experience with this. Let me ask you because uh, your your process uh, can go to a personal career choice, but it also, as you said, when you were an administrator working with advancement of of women, you have to have small successes. You're leading change, and you have to have successes. And some people wait 
for the big change at at the end, and they get frustrated along the way. Your your sugar grain approach uh, allowed you to have smaller successes and build. Absolutely, I I think one of the things that's key to all of this is to keep a list. To and we can talk about how you organize what your mm-hmm. sugar grains are going to be, what your things are. But 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 one of the essential parts of a process like this is to keep some kind of journal or spreadsheet or whatever works for you, and 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 note every little step, and then um, basically give yourself an A. I years ago I. My first time I ever worked with a, a, a trainer, I was you know, a lawyer in my 50s and felt pretty sophisticated, and I was working with this young woman who had just been an elementary school teacher. I think she was maybe 23 years old, and uh, three times a week, I'd work on uh, my fitness activity with her, and, and she kept a list, and when it was a good day, when I'd done my and my exercises in between. I got a gold star or maybe a, <laughs> a, 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 a little smiley face or whatever it was. And I, th- I noticed, wow, that makes me feel so good. Even though, you know, I could have given myself the star, um, having her give me that sticker helped. But I, I think we can give ourselves a star. And so, so, so one of the essential reasons you break things into small pieces is that you can take note um, each time you feel good about doing your sugar grain that day. It that positive reinforcement helps you build the patterns and 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 go further the next day. Well, let's let's dig deep into this now, and and let's talk about a lot of people out there who listen to your podcast are are going through career shifts, and uh, if they aren't actively going through it, they're thinking about it. It's something on the, on their horizon. Uh, it's interesting because I know that you start out and say that you need to create some big list of what you want. And that seems overwhelming to me uh, because sometimes – I don't know exactly what I want, but I know I don't want what I have now. (laughs) Yeah. And so uh, talk about uh, creating that big list. Well, um, I – first of all, let me mention, I've I've got a kind of list of questions that help – can help people talk their way through it. I'm going to put it on my – website, oh, uh, uh, clearwaysconsulting.com that people can download for free if they wanted, and maybe we can find a way to, to put it on yeah. WOUB. But yeah, we'll put a link for that. The, the starting point, if you want to do something different, is to have some vague picture, at least, of where you want to go. And, and for many people, they get hung up because they don't know where they want to go. They're sort of mired in the things they don't like about today, and uh, they don't really know how to get out of that mire. So when you're when you're making a list, the big list um, is what will your life look like if everything is great in your career shift? And so the first thing you do when you're, you're thinking about the list, when you're thinking about what you want, is to notice all the things that you 
don't like about where you are. Say if you don't like the commute, you make a list of those things, and then you let that list go because a list of things you hate is not helpful. What you do is you reframe all of those things. And so on the list of things you want, you put the opposite. You put an alternative. So if the commute is what's really driving you crazy, on your list is a is a work-life picture in which you don't have to have that kind of commute. Or, or another uh, example, I, I take it following you, your line of thinking would be, my, my job is boring. It's mundane. Just it's same old, same old. That should be refrained is I need stimulation or challenges in the workplace. Yeah, if you want to learn something new. And then it's in human nature to focus on the negative in any situation. It's sort of a, a way that we uh, evolve because if we ignored the bad stuff, you know, the tigers would eat us or whatever. <laughs> right. So we do tend to focus more on the negative. But the, the next step when you're thinking about what you want next is, is to think about what you like about your current job. I've seen a lot of people make a shift and realized that they missed all kinds of things they didn't even know they had, like great colleagues or, or varied work or opportunities for learning. So becoming brutally honest with yourself about what you like is, is, a, is a good step. If you're thinking about retirement, say, but you really like being treated with respect, write down being treated with respect and then think about your next phase might be involving some volunteer work where you get that kind of respect. It's not necessarily linked to your job and your job might be something quite different. So you you reframe what you don't like and you be honest about yourself. And so then your list is growing of what you want in the in the next phase. And and then not only do you look about the situation of your job that you like, but think about things you like to do. It may not be what you're doing now. It may be doing um, uh, things that you did years ago. If years ago you did a lot of brainstorming with colleagues or years ago you used to be a writer and your current uh, situation doesn't allow that, capture things that you like to do or, or that you think you might like to do. And that goes on the list. You... Um, you start now to, to get a pattern of, of things that would be attractive in your next phase. One of the things you talk about also in this big list is looking forward five years and say, okay, if everything worked out great and I got everything on my list, what would things look like? five years from now. Yeah. That's a little different than having a five-year plan it, that we used to have. It is. And uh, and really, plans are very difficult in terms of life. But this exercise, and by the way, this is a great exercise you can do in your notebook or your journal, and writing exercises are a wonderful way to get some clarity. But, but what you want to do is imagine that life is like that five years from now. You're loving your work. You're excited to get up every morning. Um, you're getting respect. Just imagine what that's like. And then the next step of the exercise is to go back and imagine a scenario that brought you there. So maybe in your if, if you've got a, a different kind of job, maybe um, in, in the scenario you wrote, you, you went online and you took some courses and you picked up a new skill. 
Or maybe you found a mentor, and so you found a mentor by doing some more networking. If you imagine one possible um, series of activities that could have brought you here, that gives you some ideas about the, the sugar grains that you're going to want to start, um, uh, the things you want to start doing, the, the, the task you're going to start assigning yourself every day. We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. Sometimes the best way to cut through red tape is with sharp skills. The 100% online Masters of Public Administration program from The Ohio University Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs is a program that can help you bolster your passion for public service with the expertise to find solutions. Become an expert communicator. Learn to manage human resources and budgets. Construct effective and actionable policy. Demonstrate your leadership by partnering with the private sector and non-governmental organizations. Three specialized concentrations are available to help you narrow your focus. Public leadership and management, nonprofit management, and environmental and energy policy. Visit ohio.edu backslash MPA. We go from the big list to I know that you, as we said, are a planner and organizer, a step-by-step mm-hmm. person. So, okay, I've got my list. Now what? Now you have to organize it into categories. And there are a lot of different ways to do with this. I've worked with a lot of lawyers and accountants. They kind of like spreadsheets somehow. Oh, that doesn't work so for me. <laughs> it does not work for me. What uh, works for a lot of people is something more like a, a, a drawing. And so for some people, a mind map approach. Okay. Now, that's that's a term that, that, that a lot of people hear but don't understand. What What is a mind map? There are different approaches, but as simplest, imagine a diagram that's kind of like a hub and the spokes of a wheel. So at the hub, you have a label of what it is you're drawing a picture of. So let's call this your next career. Or since it's your map, it's going to be my next career is what you're going to write on the hub. And then the spokes are the categories of activity that are going to take you to this new life phase that you've just imagined. One of them might and might be um, the activities that you're going to be doing uh, in, in your next job. These don't have to be parallel construction like, like <laughs> when we used to make outlines in school. The spokes can be different kind of things. One of them might be... Um, your family, because even though it's a map of your uh, of your career, you want to have it right there in the middle, and you want to make sure that there there there's a, a spoke for your family. I urge people to put fitness as one of their career spokes. I, it, it is so uh, important on how you present yourself and how you undertake your career. The older you get, the bigger part that has is within the broad scope of your career. So so you, you draw a diagram with maybe 
five to ten branches, and each of the branches might relate to a category of activity you want to undertake. So one might be picking up new skills. One might be expanding your network. One might be getting fit, as we said, to, to, to be in better shape. One social might be media social media. Is, yeah. is so important, yeah. for especially for older people to – who sort of poo-poo the idea that they've got to jump on board that train. It, it's key to career ma- uh, maintenance today. I mean, it's just it's just part of any shift. And so so now you've got your maybe five or eight categories, and, and that's when you get the, the sugar grains, the, the, the little things you do every day. Um, you just keep looking at that diagram or that list, and you think every day – and at least one category. And, and the pace of activity depends on how desperate or eager you are. But, but say every day you're going to look at your spokes and you're going to do one thing to move you more in that direction. So if social media is on your list, a good starting point if you're thinking about career is LinkedIn. So maybe the very first sugar grain you're going to do is sign up for LinkedIn or you're going to update your uh, resume on LinkedIn. And, and, and you just, if every single day when you've got that uh, list of categories, you start putting specific steps, uh, you know, specific things, uh, little sugar grains, and they don't have to be a big thing. And you can spread them out. And one thing leads to another. Like when I'm working with clients, um, I give them credit because a lot of people want to know if they're getting an A. I give them credit if they set up a lunch date. So setting up the lunch date that is gold the thing. Star. <laughs> yes, and and a next a next thing can be having the lunch, and the thing after that will be the follow up where you thank somebody and you send them the information you talked about. The more things that you get, um, the more things you generate. If, Almost always in a career shift, networking plays a central role. And so keeping track of the people you're seeing and keeping track of the follow-up, that, that's vital. And if, as, you, as you note each thing, it leads to another thing. And the, the interesting thing with the process is that once people kind of get some momentum going, even if they're not in a hurry for their shift, they start to get into the fun of it and uh, the pace of that. Activity picks up. So having a, a journal and noticing these things and and um, forcing yourself to do it when you can't think of anything, that's a critical part. Because if you can't think of anything, you have to dig a little deeper, go out of your comfort zone, try something different. And lots of times, that's the thing that really pushes you um, in, in, into a new place. This... Uh, after, you, after you do the list and after you do the mind map... You have some specific steps, and and one is considering volunteer work or a side gig. That one's a little confusing to me. What what do you mean by that? Okay. um, Say you have a job as a lawyer, Mm -hmm. and you want to do something that is in the art, something more creative for the next phase of your career. That's – totally out of your current lane. It's hard to do art in the context of your day at work. And so you look for an opportunity to do something along the lines of arts in a structured way. Now, it could be taking a course, but it also could be that you volunteer at a local museum. You put yourself in a situation where 
you have something that's akin to a job, or maybe it is a job, and and you start taking steps along your new career path. So you sort of try it on, and and without any consequence, you you try it on and see how it feels, and and absolutely. If if you want to be a professional photographer, you go out, you shoot pictures, you find a way to get them published, you try to get your first sale. So your side gig then becomes being a photographer. And maybe you do it at a pretty slow pace, but it's but in your head, it's it's not a hobby. It's a it's a side job. It is a real career. And so you start your new career and you try it on. It may not be the right one, but you always learn something by putting yourself into a new career path, even just for a while. And what it'll help you do is figure out what's the better place for you to be. Another step you have in in your process, your grains of sugar process, is is committing to the pace of things. Now, for an impatient person like me, <laughs> this is a really difficult uh, approach. But at the other end, I, I assume you have people who are more sedentary and and they they get bogged down. I get frustrated because things don't go quickly enough, but both are sort of the opposite sides of that same coin. A pretty common pattern for many of us is that we start a whole new program. Maybe January 1, we're going to work out, we're going to meditate, we're going to have a better social life. We have all these things we're going to do, and we are in a hurry to do it. And Right up until January 15th, you know, we keep up the work, but we do get frustrated and nobody answers us back or we haven't lost a pound or whatever it is. And we tend to throw up our hands and um, give it up. I'm going to be stuck in this job forever. Right. And so the trick is to recognize that this is going to be something that's not burdensome, but you're going to do it for a long time. That doesn't mean that you can't do lots of other things, but it means that you've made a deal. You've cut a deal with yourself. You're managing yourself. That, you're training yourself like your own dog, you know. That, that grain of sugar a day. Yeah. And so you're going to uh, find the pace, and it, it might vary, but say you um, commit yourself to doing uh, one little tiny thing every single workday for the next month. And even if you can't think of anything, even if you don't feel like doing it, if you say, I, I, I don't feel like doing this, but I'm going to spend 15 minutes going online and looking at LinkedIn or a big job site, if you, if you just make it small and no matter what, make yourself to do it, you will have built a habit, you will have given opportunities to celebrate your little achievements, you'll be picking up momentum and you'll have some new ideas. So committing to the pace and, and doing it. And if, if the pace feels like too much, make it every other day or make the, the things, the sugar grains even smaller. But, but renegotiate it, the renegotiation time. You know, if you commit to do it for a month, you've got to be honest with yourself and do it for a month. And then you renegotiate and do the next month. You have two other items that I'm going to mash together. <laughs> okay. And, and those are you're big on making lists 
and you're big on keeping records. Mm-hmm. Now, those are two slightly different things, but but talk about each of them and how they work together. Well, first, uh, let me say on the topic of lists and notes and so forth, there's there's new research that suggests that if you do this by hand, if you write on a piece of paper or— You mean my handwritten to-do list still is a good thing? The, the latest thinking is that there's something about the physicality of writing a note that impacts your brain in some way, so it's more likely to create change. So, so there's a lot of reinforcement just in, in keeping the list for each thing. There's also a little bit of celebration going on. It's it's nice to see a list for some people. It's it, nice to cross off that item, too. <laughs> but it doesn't have to be that linear kind of thing. For some people, a, a journal in which you make cartoons. Uh, I know you're a cartoonist. Yeah. If you use yeah. cartoons as a way to keep track of things, yeah. um, that's a possibility. Any way that you get engaged of noting something can can make a difference. But beyond that, we all benefit from records of details. And if you're building a job shift, it's so easy to forget to write a thank you note, to uh, have a great conversation at an event and forget to get back to that person. Right. So it's critical as you're going through a transition to to keep track of where you are so you don't drop the ball so you don't let somebody down so so you manage the quality of the networking and and um, the job search that you're doing now listeners out there uh, taking notes on your advice here uh, as they're listening to this podcast may say boy you know that's that sounds like a awful lot of work and uh, you know I, I, I'm that, that's too much work for me you you really somehow want people to enjoy the process how, how do they get to that point where they're enjoying the the, the sugar grain process by adapting it to the way you like to do things and doing a little bit at a time and having some of them be inherently fun, you can build a habit and, and, and get the process going. It may be uh, that you reward yourself uh, if you um, are not very uh, good about taking time out from your busy day uh, and you decide that you're going to take yourself out for a nice lunch and you're going to sit there and you're going to work on your notebook so that the reward is built in, that's one way to do it. If what you really like is to work with other people and you get a buddy and you're both going through a process like that, that's another way to have fun. What I found with my clients is that sort of a fun part of coaching is you have an audience and you can brainstorm. And so having partners is a great way to do it. And and what I've seen so many times is people start coaching and maybe they're kind of depressed, they're in despair, they're feeling stuck. But by the end, they're having fun with the process. And, and, and it's not unusual for somebody to, to get that job or make the shift or uh, 
reach a good place and say, you know, I don't need this anymore, but I'm going to kind of miss it. It's like your the notebook or wherever it is you keep track of your your sugar grain process. That becomes your friend. That's sort of a buddy. It's a it is a, a way to step back and acknowledge what you're doing, and and you have a little bit of companionship, uh, even in your own head. I know you are a strong proponent of this. You say it really works. Can you give us some examples with – we're not asking for names, but examples of how this has really worked? Well, actually, I can um, give you something, a name that was um, specific because NPR um, a couple of years ago, Barbara Bradley Haggerty on NPR was interested in all of this. And, and, and she asked me if I could let her come in and record some coaching with a, a client I, of course, couldn't do that uh, with an existing client, but I put out the word through the newsletter that if somebody was willing to undertake it, here's a special deal. We'll set up six six, uh, coaching sessions to go through the transition process. And uh, one of the people who was interested was uh, Nancy Augustine, who was a faculty member at George Washington University. And she was not on a tenure track. She was kind of feeling stuck. She didn't know what she wanted to do. So we, we set up six sessions over eight months. And um, at the end, she had found a different kind of job at her university, but she had also started a consulting firm, and, and she was feeling uh, energetic, and she was having a good time. That description's also in Barbara's book, Life Reimagined. And so if you um, search uh, midlife transition, uh, mid-career transition on NPR, that's one way to find the account. Or you can look at Barbara Bradley Haggerty's book, Life, Reimag- Life Reimagined. And you also had a great interview with Barbara Bradley Haggerty uh, in your podcast. It's in the archives. That's right. And she's, she's terrific. She's looked a lot at midlife career transitions. If people want your list, they can get it again. Uh, we'll put the link in, in uh, our information about this podcast, but they could also get it at another source. My book. Your book, Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO, and the subtitle, 50 Indispensable Tips to Help You Stay Afloat, Bounce Back, and get ahead at work. And you'll also put it on the Clearways... Clearwaysconsulting.com. Clearwaysconsulting.com. And you can go there and get all kinds of information and lists as well. Beverly, thank you. It's nice to have you uh, in the interviewee position. Well, it's been fun, Tom. I'm glad you have to do the hard work of asking questions today. No problem. Thank you very much. Today on Jazzed About Work, we've been talking about how you can plan for a career shift and how you can keep your transition process going on a steady course. Today's tip is that it's never too early to lay groundwork for your next career shift. You always should keep up an image, whether it's in your notebook or the back of your mind, or a list or a picture of the skills and network that you'll need, just in case you suddenly have to or want to have a career pivot. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Beverly Jones, author of Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO. 
Thank you.